Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We're a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into this same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and to reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you so much for singing with us and for joining us in worship. Today's a special day. One of the things we're doing this morning besides worshiping the Lord, is sending and commissioning Pastor Clint and Heather. For, for those of you who may know, may not know, Pastor Clint and, and his family have served this church for just around 10 years, just over 10 years, and it's been an incredible privilege for me to serve with them during that time. And so we have a special guest speaker this morning for this commissioning service, and it's Pastor Jimmy Wade. And, and Pastor Wade has been in gospel ministry for over 30 years, He's been a mentor, friend, and, and pastor to Clint since 1986. Uh, he was the first one to give Pastor Clint a chance to serve in ministry. Thank you. Thank you. As a college intern, oh, the days of college interns, yes. That led him to hiring, that led them to hiring Clint as an associate months later. Jimmy's wife, Patty, has also been a constant friend and encouragement to Heather. Thank you. We are grateful to bring a couple uh, of Southerners here this morning. We'll have some translation going on on the side in case you need. Just kidding, we won't. Um, we're grateful to bring some friends of Clinton Heather, some brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ from the South here this morning to celebrate what God is doing in Clinton Heather's life and in God's mission to advance the gospel through them in this world. And so would you join me first in welcoming this morning Pastor Jimmy Wade. Well, good morning. It is a joy to be here in Zealand, Michigan, First Baptist Church with Clint and Heather and their family, and I'm honored to be here as a part of their commissioning service. Now, yes, you recognize there's something different about me besides my good looks, and that would be that I have an accent. And um, you're right about that. You, you, you can tell by the accent I was born and raised in Chicago, and so... Uh, I'm proud of that. No, not actually. I was born in, and raised in Georgia, Macon, Georgia. In fact, I met one of the staff members from Rome, Georgia. And, uh, but I've lived in Charlotte since I was about five years of age, so therefore the North Carolina accent, and I'm proud of it. I'm glad we could kind of bring the influence to the North a little bit. My first ever trip to Michigan, and what a beautiful state. We came through the as we came out of Indiana and saw the sign that said, Welcome to Pure Michigan, which I don't understand that pure part. But anyway, um, came to Pure Michigan. We took a picture of that and posted that on Facebook. My wife has flown through the Detroit airport on her way to Toronto for business, but um, my first ever trip to uh, Michigan. And uh, what a delight to be here. Got to see some of the sights yesterday. Uh, out to eat last night. And uh, we snuck away after we all left. We actually snuck away and went down to the, to the lake. Um, and jumped in. We didn't jump in. No, we went to Lake Michigan and saw that. What a, just what a beautiful sight and uh, what a great place. So thank you, thank you, thank you. What an honor to be here today. I can't uh, express enough our appreciation to Clint for allowing us to come up. Glad to do it. Glad to be here. You listen fast. I talk fast. So you have to listen fast. And uh, hopefully we'll, God will, will bless today. If you want an interpreter, my wife will be glad to stand up and interpret what I said because she's from Cincinnati, Ohio, so she's on the Mason-Dixon line, but she's now 
converted to the South. But anyway, we're not fighting the war anymore. But anyway, um, I thought I'd start this morning by giving you a little bit of uh, insight into how Clint and Heather and I know each other and our relation. You heard a little bit about our relationship in the introduction from Jeremy, but in 1988, which is going back some, I'm going to date myself a little bit today. And by the way, there's a person in this room, somewhere in this room today, who has a birthday. And I think it's like halfway between zero and 100. But anyway, but there's a person today that we're talking about that's having a birthday day. I just want you to know that. But I'm not allowed to say anything about his 50th birthday. But anyway. In 1988, I was on staff at a church called Calvary Church in Charlotte, and I had been on staff for about three and a half years. I was the, the pastor to junior high students and their families. And in 1988, in March of 1988, actually, the high school pastor that I'd been working with moved on to Knoxville, Tennessee, and they asked me to move up and to take that position. So I assumed the role of the pastor to high school students and families in March of 1988. I'll never forget it. In those days, our church was packed to the gills. Um, we were landlocked. We had no room. Our youth had no space whatsoever because we had so many people, over 3,000 people attending our church at that time in 1988. Had like three services. It was crazy. And we had a little gym in the back of the property, and they crammed about uh, three or 400 high school and middle school students in that gym. And it got to be too crazy. So they started busing the high school students about a half a mile down the road to a private school in their cafeteria for Sunday school on Sunday morning. So my first Sunday as the high school pastor, I walk in, there's about 80 to 100 high school kids sitting there, and they're staring at me silently and wondering what this new youth pastor, although most knew who I was because I'd been the middle school pastor, but they're wondering what this new high school pastor is going to be like, and what's he going to do, and what's he going to say, and is he cool or not, and all those things that people think about high school pastors and whatever. So I walked in that day and began to, to teach these high school students. And one of those students in that room that day wearing these loud, obnoxious, checked, I don't know what you call them, but they're pants. But they're, they're have they ever seen your pants before, Clint? Because <laughs> he, here's the truth. That was 1988. He still has them, and he still wears them from time to time. I think he probably has worn them. I don't have a picture today. I tried so hard to find a picture. I did not have a picture of that. But in, I walked in, and Clint was one of those students, and he was a senior at Country Day High School there, a private school in town. And that we began our journey together. Didn't really know Clint. He was kind of, he was a stranger to me. I was new to the ministry. He was a senior. But that summer, in order to kind of corral and to engage the students, I had to put together two quick trips. And one of those was a beach trip, which we would call a summer camp, for a week at a place called Jekyll Island, Georgia, with about 20 other churches from around the southeast, about 500 students total. We decided to go to that. We went to that camp in June. Clint went on that trip. And then about two months later, in the month of August, we did a thing called the— um, we went to—I shouldn't say a thing called—we went to— and Heather went on this trip, too. We went to a place uh, in Window Rock, Arizona. And it was the Navajo reservation there to reach the Navajo Indians in that area with a missionary that lived there and worked there. And we took about 60 to 80 high school students with leaders for about 10 days out to Window Rock, Arizona. And there, Clint went as well. Clint and Heather were on that trip. Clint and Heather didn't really know each other. Clint and Heather didn't really speak to each other but got to know each other kind of indirectly on that trip. But I happen to have a picture this morning of that trip and Clint. And so Clint's the one with the cheesy grin, 
Actually, he doesn't, he's the only one without a shirt on. Why he has no shirt on, I do not know. say about that? It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so there's Clint without a shirt on, and me, he's leaning against, against me there, so that's really going back some, but the rest of us have shirts on because we were decent and whatever. <laughs> whatever, Clint. But anyway... <laughs> Anyway, there's two other pictures up here. You can put those up as well. These are a little bit later when he was the youth pastor for middle school students. You can see that picture there. Clint being Clint, and he's wearing his Gettysburg College uh, shirt for some reason, which I don't have no idea why, but he's wearing that too. But <laughs> so as you can see, my relationship with Clint has been unique and different and special in so many ways. But we began that journey together in 1988, and... Um, as, as fate would have it, I think as God would have it, um, as things began to transpire, I kept my eye on Clint for those next four years while he was off at college, at Gettysburg College. And our habit and practice was in those days as a youth ministry, we would hire um, a guy and girl college student to be our interns for the summer for about 10 to 12 weeks in the summer months to help us with programming because we did so many things in the summer. A lot of youth groups will slow down. We ramped it up in the summertime. Had some phenomenal things that went on. And so I asked Clint his senior year, would you consider being an intern for me as you graduate from Gettysburg in 1992? This is when this happened. And Clint agreed. And he became my summer intern with another girl that summer. But the rest, they say, as they say, is history. As Time, as Clint's term expired, the junior high pastor that had been serving with me decided to leave him to go elsewhere, and that position became open, so we had, we had no choice, but we needed to do something, so we asked Clint to kind of step in and fill in that position over the next several months until we could begin a, re a search and find another junior high pastor. And the great news was, the good news was, that through all of that, over those nine-month period, that Clint basically worked himself into a job to become the junior high pastor. So over the next eight years, Clint and I served together as both the junior high and senior high pastors at Calvary Church. Um, and then in 2000, I'm, I moved out of that ministry and began to work with young families in the family ministry. And then Clint eventually moved out of the junior high ministry and assumed the role of the young adult ministry pastor, which was 20-somethings and college students and had a real thriving ministry as well. So our paths stayed together until we eventually... Um, went our separate ways a few years later. Now, here's what I wanted you to know about that. All those things that Clint was involved in as an intern, as the student pastor for junior high students and families, as the young adult staff member to singles and so on, all those things that Clint was involved in was preparatory work for what he did here in Zealand for the last 10 years. Those things set him up, put him in motion, gave him the opportunities to prepare himself to be the pastor of this church for 10 years and to lead here. And here's what I want you to know as well. What he's done for the last 10 years here at Zeeland at First Baptist has now prepared him and Heather and their family for a new season of ministry. 
Everything he's been a part of and the things you've allowed him to be a part of as the senior pastor here and to be the lead pastor has prepared him and set him on a, on a journey and a trajectory that will now allow him to be the head of Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Charleston, South Carolina. So there's no accidents in the, in, the, in the framework of God, that God doesn't make any mistakes, that he brings people and circumstances and lives and brings all those things into play into our lives to build us and to shape us, to mold us, to prepare us for different places in our journey with God and different seasons of life. And here for the last 10 years has been no exception. I have watched closely, I have followed closely. Clint and I stay in touch all the time. Our, our, our greatest love besides God and our wives is Tar Heel basketball. So when the Tar Heels are playing someone like Michigan or somebody, we're texting and we're back and forth, and sometimes we call and we talk about why they lost or why they won, and we keep in touch. But on Facebook, I've kept in touch with your ministry here. I've watched from afar, so many hundred miles away, but I've watched and I've seen up close from a distance, but up close through Facebook and other means, what God's been doing here. And all those things have gone into preparing Clint, and you had a part in that. Here's how you had a part in that. By allowing Clint to preach week in and week out and to pastor you as a congregation, to be the chief shepherd, to lead here weekly, by following his vision for this church and for the Zealand community. You've allowed him to do that, and you have followed that vision. Also, by empowering him to lead the staff. It's not easy to lead a staff. Regardless of how, how big your staff is, it doesn't matter. It's never an easy thing to lead a staff. And so you've allowed him to do that. You've you, you empowered him to do that. And lastly, for those of you who are elders and maybe deacons and people in leadership, by serving with Clint to help lead this church. And when I say lead, I don't just mean like lead, hey, here, I'm the leader. But I mean to give spiritual oversight, to give direction, to, to shepherd the flock of God, to teach to mentor, to disciple, all those things that go into the spiritual component of what it means to fall after Christ. You allowed Clint to be a part of that. And if you're an elder here this morning, you got to see that up close and personal with Clint and his family. As they've sought to do that, they sought to lead by example, to inspire, to encourage, to do all the things that required to do that. And here's what I know. All that Clint has wanted since the day he arrived here some 10 years ago, all he has wanted for you is that you would follow hard after Jesus. That's it. No other thing. He's, he could care less about your bank account. He could care less about your status and your job in, in, the, in the neighborhood or in the community. That's not really what he's out. His goal for all of you, man, woman, boy, girl, young or old, doesn't matter. His desire, his heart has always been, his passion has always been that you as an individual person or as a family, as a husband and as a wife, as a student, whomever you are, whatever your occupation, his desire has always been that you would follow hard after Jesus. Whatever that looks like, whatever that entails, whatever that involves, Clint's desire for you is to follow Christ. That's it. And that's his bottom line. Today we're here to commission Clint, and I like to say Heather, because being married for 38 years in ministry, husbands are not a, 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 a we don't do this alone. We do this in partnership with our spouses, and you're called together. Clint can't be called and Heather not. It doesn't work that way. If you do, you'll have a terrible marriage and a terrible ministry. It has to work in tandem. So I always say that today we're commissioning Clint and Heather for, for new ministry. And you see some ministries, they leave here to go to another place of ministry. So today is commissioning. Can you know what commissioning means? It comes from the term, the Great Commission. You know what that is? Jesus gave the Great Commission just before he went back to heaven in Matthew chapter 28, go into all the world and to preach the gospel. That was his desire for us. Imagine that. Think about that for a minute. 
And so now Clint and Heather leaving this place, and they're not so much leaving as much as you are sending them out. That's the way I like to look at it. You're, going to, you're commissioning them to go. That word commission means to go. It's to be sent. And so as a commissioning service where we lay hands on and pray and bless and encourage and put money in their pocket and, in, and pray for them and inspire them to go, we are commissioning them. We are sending them out as an extension of the body of Christ at First Baptist Zealand to be gospel carriers. And you have a part in that. You've played a part for the last 10 years and hopefully and prayerfully you'll continue to play a part as Clint and Heather leave here in the next few weeks to move to Charleston. You'll have a part in that. This morning, I thought it would be appropriate as I thought about today and, and, and the service and the sermon that I would speak today for Clint and really for you was what would be appropriate? What would be the passage that I could use that has a parallel to it of what Clint and Heather are experiencing? And so the passage I found is in Acts chapter 20, and you may know this passage. I love the book of Acts. It's the, it's the story of the, the new church, the, the birth of the new church, and how it just began to spread like wildfire throughout the Middle East and to the known world at that time. And Acts chapter 20 is Paul being called from one place to another. And so it's, it's his farewell address to the Ephesian elders, these men that he's poured his life into, these men that he has loved, that he's discipled, that he's trained up and he's mentored, set the example for, and now he's leaving. And he's, brought, he's called them together to another place in Miletus to say, hey, I want you to come here and I want to give you a final challenge. And then they pray for him and send him out. And I thought this would be a great passage this morning. So if you are able this morning out of reverence for God's Word. Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word this morning as I read? This will be on the screen as well, but just follow along as I read. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 17. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. And when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I live the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plot of the Jews." You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I have never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And this, then verse 36 and 37, when he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed, and they all wept as they embraced him 
and kissed him. You may be seated. The reading of God's Word this morning. Now, I know Clint, Clint is not the Apostle Paul, okay? I know that. So we're not going to compare Clint or anyone else to the Apostle Paul. But I do think that there are some parallels that we can look at in this passage this morning and make with Clint and with Heather and the similarities of Paul being in a place and then leaving and going somewhere else by the call of God. The same thing is true of Clint and Heather. So let me see if I can make some of these parallels this morning. Well, first of all, um, this verse tells us, these verses tell us that Paul shared his life with them. He shared his life with them. Verse 18 says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. You know how I lived. In other words, he's implying, you saw me exactly for who I am. You saw everything about me. I lived openly. I was an open book before you. You know my life. There were no secrets. I didn't hide anything. I wasn't lazy. I didn't go sit in a tent somewhere and do nothing all day. I worked hard night and day. There was a lot of time and effort and energy and blood, sweat, and tears that went into what I have labored for over these last few years as we established the churches here in Ephesus. He said, you know how I live my life. We know that Paul, we know that Paul, I mean, we know the Scripture. He wrote most of the New Testament. We know his life is, is recorded for us in the New Testament. We see it. We know that Paul was committed. We know that he was diligent. We know that he was unwavering in everything he did in the work of God, completely. Well, I think it's fair to say this morning that Clinton and Heather have shared their lives with you. You know, they say of pastors and their children, especially their kids, Wesley and Avery and Caroline, listen, they say of pastors, and I know this from firsthand, we live in a goldfish bowl. <laughs> we do. Our lives are really an open book. Not that we try to hide anything, but pastors and their families, we, people watch, they look, they notice, they see, especially the kids. Are they living for Jesus or not? Are they walking with the Lord or not? What's going on? And Listen, I know how that is. We're under a microscope. But Clinton's, Clint's life and their family's lives has been an open book for you guys. But you know how they have lived, and you know their passion for this church. You've seen it firsthand. Those who have worked with Clint have seen it firsthand. Elders, staff members. Some of you in this room that have been discipled by Clint have met one-on-one -on -one with him and Heather, maybe for counseling or just for dis uh, private conversation or for discipleship. You've seen that up, hand, up, up close firsthand. You know all about that. You know his work ethic, that he has been tireless in seeking to build this church, not to build it, make it big. That wasn't his goal but to see you follow after Christ. Just to set the example, I always used to say in ministry to folks that I was in charge of that um, I'm just a week ahead of you in the journey. I haven't arrived. I'm not there yet. Clint has not arrived. He's not there yet. Just always a week along on the journey. Hey, Paul used to say, as I follow Christ, you follow me. And that's the example of every believer. As I follow after Christ, you follow after me. Whether you're a husband or a mom, whether you're a student, when you're involved with other folks who are following Christ, you just say, hey, listen, I'm, a, I'm just like you. I'm, I'm not arrived. We're all in this together. I'm just a week ahead in the journey. But as I follow after Christ, you follow me. That's what Clint has sought to do and set the example for. You know that he's been committed to God. There's no question. You know his diligence and his work ethic in the day-to-day -day work here in this church. And you know this, I hope you know this, his unwavering devotion and love for this congregation. It goes without saying. It's a great parallel, I think, this morning in the life of Paul and the life of Clinton Heather. Secondly, these verses tell us that Paul was faithful to preach the Word. 
faithful to preach the word. It says in verse 20, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. In other words, everything that you need to hear, I have preached it. In other words, Paul said, I have not stopped from preaching the whole counsel of God. Now think about that for a minute. Everything we need to know about what it means to follow Christ, everything we need to know to grow in our Christian faith. Paul said, I have taught that. I have preached that. I have never hesitated to preach truth. And if we know anything about the life of Apostle Paul, he was never one to mince words. He was never one to shy away from speaking truth, no matter who the audience was and no matter if it offended some. Because the truth of the matter is, whenever you proclaim God's Word, you'll always offend someone. Always. Whether inside the church or outside the church. And the great thing about Paul was, he not only preached the, the, the gospel to those in the church, he preached it to those outside the church. He proclaimed to anyone who would listen. Well, I think... Clint and Heather have done the same thing. Clint has not hesitated to preach the word either in any form or fashion. And I do mean the whole counsel of God. That's the stuff we love to hear when Clint would preach, and that's the stuff we don't like to hear sometimes. When it steps on our toes, when it makes us feel guilty, when we don't quite feel like we measure up, when we hear truth spoken. Sometimes that's just the reality of preaching God's Word. One thing you can never say about Clint and his preaching is you can never say he wasn't passionate enough. Because I know, I watched him as a junior high pastor and as a young adult pastor, you could never say that he's not been passionate enough. Never. Just like the Apostle Paul in that regard, in that respect, he was not passionless. And he has preached the Word faithfully to not only this church, but to those outside this church, even have it been offensive to those, for some, we, I, have, I remember a few years ago watching, there were some who were offended by the stance of Clint in this church, but never shying away from speaking the truth. Hope you realize that. A third parallel. These verses tell us that Paul felt God calling him to another place of ministry. He had been there for a few years, established the churches, preached from house to house. You know, when it says house to house, by the way, we think of probably today like if you're in a life group, a small group, a community group, like you meet in a home, and that would be similar to that, but the church in that day didn't have buildings like we think of, like, hey, there's a church down on the corner, go there. They met from house to house, and so churches were established from house to house, and we would say that very much like a life group, and, and that would be the greatest thing in the world, and probably the best example is like a life group, but the church was in houses, and Paul was in those houses from from week to week, and, but now he's felt this God is calling him after establishing these churches, it was time to move on. Verse 22 says, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. Here's the thing, when God calls you, you can't say no. It's, 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 it's hard to say no. When you feel the call of God and the Spirit working in your life, and he's de- put a definite call in your life to go somewhere, to do a certain ministry, to be involved in something, it, you feel that tugging in your heart. It, you just can't say no. You can fight it if you want to, but when you're compelled by the Spirit, it is so difficult to say no. When Paul felt that tug, when he felt the time had come, he did not hesitate to leave. Paul did, was not one to hang on long. He knew when he had to move on. Well, now Clinton and Heather have this new calling on their lives, and they have struggle with it at times. They have uh, worked through it. They have had to 
pray about what is God calling us to do in this new season of our lives? Is this what God really wants for us? And they're talking about a whole new type of ministry. We're talking about going from a place where you have a salary to now you have to raise your salary. And you're dependent upon God's people to help pay your salary and pay for ministry expenses. It's just like a missionary in that regard. And it's a whole different ball game to go from, hey, having the comfort of knowing I got my salary made from year to year to, now we got to raise that salary. Whole different ball game. But for them not to go, for them to, to, to not answer God's call would be the same as being disobedient to the call of God in their lives. And they're not doing that. And I said earlier, they're not so much as leaving as much as you are sending them out into a new season of ministry. And just as Paul was propelled by one specific purpose, Paul had one purpose in his heart and mind. It was what drove him with his life. So Clint goes with that same purpose. In verse 24, it says this, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Here's the truth this morning. You're a believer here today. You know Christ as your Savior There was a point in time in your life, maybe it was an event or maybe it was a process. I do believe that salvation comes in one of two ways. For some people, it's an event. They hear the gospel, they are they are just they're brought to their knees, like, my gosh, I'm a sinful human being. I've never heard that truth before. I didn't know there was a God who loved me. I didn't know that there was that Jesus had died on the cross for me. I didn't know that I was a sinner. But you hear the truth of the gospel, you respond to it, just like I did as a 12-year-old, May 2nd, 1971. It was an event. That's why I know the date. I've never forgotten it. And it changes your life forever. Well, for some people, it's a process. I think the disciples are like this. They had been called by Jesus to follow him. Sure, I'll go with you, Lord. Okay, let's go. And for three and a half years, they churched around the Middle East not really knowing if he really was who he said he was. Oh, sure, Jesus, yeah, you're the, people say this about you, yeah, I guess you are, whatever. They never really understood who he was until after he was dead, buried, and gone, and finally resurrected from the grave. And then the light came on. He really is the Son of God. It was a process. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've heard the gospel all your life, and maybe as a young child, you, you um, grew up in church, and you heard the gospel in kind of a, you assumed it and began to believe it for yourself, and it was a process for you. Or maybe it took some time for you as, a, as an adult to come to that realization that Christ was who he said he was. And, but you learned obedience in the process, and you learned to, that you needed to confess your sins, and you began to follow Christ. And it really wasn't an event so much as it was a process of learning that for yourself, and that's what happened to you. And here's the, here's the point of all that. When you know that truth, you want to testify personally about the gospel of God's grace. You don't want to hold that in. You don't want to hide that. You want people to know that truth. And I believe that Clint and Heather have set that example this morning. Now, I've got one final point this morning, but before I make it, I have a little surprise this morning. My wife, Patty, is going to come up. I don't know if I have women preachers here, but I'm not kidding. She's not preaching. But um, she's wanted to, she wanted to give a challenge to Heather from one pastor's wife to another. If you would allow her that You can clap for her, too, if you'd like to. Do I need to lift it up? Pick it up. There you go. Pick it up. Okay, we're good? Okay. Heather, I knew you when you were a sixth grader in Awana. I hope I get through this without crying. 
From there, a teenager in our youth group, and then a beautiful bride and mother, and it's such a joy to be here with you today. As a pastor's wife, sometimes our husbands come to us and they say, honey, I believe that God is calling me to leave. And before they can finish their statement, in a calm and a submissive voice, we say, are you crazy? You mean I have to move my family again? In reality, we live in the expectation that God is going to move and lead in each of our lives as believers. But as our husbands are the head of the homes, and especially in the life of persons who are called to ministry, we know that at times God works through our husbands. Knowing this doesn't make it easier, but rather it provides us an opportunity to lean into our great God and submit our wills and our lives to him and ask him for his peace and his leading. The intimacy between God and ourselves is so experienced, especially during the times of transition. And as a woman and as a mom, it's so important for us to see how it's all going to fit together, especially in the needs of our family and in the individual needs of our children. And then what we can do is take delight in God as our Father as we see all these pieces come together. Heather, as Jimmy has already said, this commissioning is as much as for you as it is for Clint, and we send you both together. And it gives us the opportunity to say, as we see all the details come together, oh God, it is you, it is your hand that did it. It is such an example to our children and to our families who may not even understand the fullness of the calling upon us. And in the years to come, we can look back and we can see God's faithfulness and provision. And so we commend you as the wife and the daughter and the mom and all the roles that you play, but especially as a child of our great God. He will guide you and sustain you and give you peace and give you excitement as you travel this road ahead. Thanks, son. Lastly, these verses in Acts 20 tell us that Paul ended by giving the elders a final challenge, the elders of the church, those who have been called to lead, to be the spiritual leaders of the church, the spiritual oversight of the church. He says in verse 28, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of, 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 all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. You know, Paul wanted the church when he left to continue on, to be strong, to follow hard after Jesus, to continue to, to their focus to be on him, to lead them, to not waver in their faith, to not give up, to not, well, now Paul is not here, so therefore we can't go on. That's not what Paul was about at all. The whole point of the gospel is that we become followers, and then we begin to lead others, and we become followers and begin to lead others, and that process of discipleship never, ever stops and never ends. Well, in this last parable, I say that, uh, this about Clint. He wants nothing more than f for you, this church, to continue on in your pursuit of following Christ. What I said at the very beginning, when he first came here 10 years ago, is still true to this day as he leaves. He wants you to continue in your pursuit of Christ, to follow hard after Jesus. And he wants you as elders, those who have, who have been elders and are elders now, they say once you're an elder, you're always an elder, that you as the, as the spiritual oversight, along with your staff, would guard the flock of God, that you would shepherd. There will always be those who want to come in and 
they have agendas and they want to lead folks astray. Maybe there's impure doctrine. Maybe there's just complete her- heresy or false doctrine. I don't know. But there's always those who would want to, to want to lead astray or to take your eyes off the Word of God or to say, well, maybe the Word of God doesn't really say that 2,000 years later. Maybe that's not what God really said about a certain specific thing and to equivocate or to, uh, to give in to what the world says. And you as elders, as leaders, need to make sure you guard the purity of the Scripture, the purity of this church. No matter what the world may say, no matter what the culture is saying, whatever the Supreme Court says, sometimes just be careful with that, that we're always accepting of people, but that we're not always necessarily believing the same thing they believe because of what the, the Word of God says and what we believe God's standard of righteousness is. So guard the flock of God. For you individually as a believer here this morning, I know who you are, where you're from in terms of um, your status in life at this moment, but my prayer for you is that you would continue to pursue Jesus Christ, that you'd follow after the Scripture, set the example in your home. If you need help see the staff, see an elder in terms of what it means to fall off of Christ, but that you would continue that pursuit. A great verse over in Third uh, John, John in verse 4, it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. No greater joy, the Apostle John said. There's no greater joy for him to hear through the grapevine. Now that he's gone, now that he's removed from that, that there's no greater joy than to hear that his children, those who had put their faith and trust in Christ under his, under his ministry, that they were following after Christ. Because Clint and I were youth pastors, that's still uh, kind of a connection with us. And when you've been a youth ministry, gosh, it never gets out of your blood, no matter how old you are. And um, uh, some of my fondest memories were as a youth pastor. I mean, I mean, that's just the reality. When you're with students, uh, it's never a dull moment, to say the least. Good and bad times, it's never a dull moment. And uh, you're always on the front burner with things to do in, in ministry opportunities and situations. And um, so that's been the one thing that's kind of held Clint out together over the years. And on September the 13th of 2000 was my last night of being the youth pastor before I moved out of that role. After 16 years in that position, I moved out to be the head of the family ministry. It was time, you know, he knew that book, Who Moved the Cheese? Well, I need to, to the cheese was moving, and so I need, to, I need to move on to another role, and so I became the pastor of the family ministries. But um, this was my message, if you will... Um, allow me tonight, this morning, this is a little bit different, but this was my last message to those students that night, and I can't speak for Clint. I know Clint's already given his final message, but if he were to say this, what would he say? I think he might say some words like this to you as a church, to you as individuals, to you as leaders, elders, but uh, so bear in mind, this was, this was to students, but You'll take the gist of it. Hopefully, it'll mean the same thing because I think this is the heartbeat of Clint over these last 10 years, and it's really the heartbeat of anybody who's a, a pastor. I said this I want you to know him more than anything in the world, more than you know your best friend, more than you know the, the latest up to date fashions, more than all the sports statistics of all the great athletes, more than you know the stock market. 
I want you to know him more than the words of all the songs that come over. Um, I said back then the radio, but now it's all on your phone. Or all the great movie lines you remember. Clint knows every movie line from Three Amigos. Get him going, he'll start telling you that. More than all that Hollywood or entertainment can give you, more than any knowledge a book could possibly fill your mind with, I want you to know him more than any human experience could offer you, more than our love relationship, more than marriage or sex, more than food or drink or fun or life itself. For to know him is to know all those things and more. I want you to know Christ. And that's my prayer on behalf of Clint for all of you, that you would know Christ. And as someone said this morning, know him and make him known. At this time, we're going to pray for Clint and Heather, and Jeremy's going to come up and lead that part of the commissioning service. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here today. What an honor it has been. And Clint and Heather, we love you. And Thank you so much for that. Uh, we are going to pray over Clint and Heather, and I want to invite them to come up here. I also want to invite our elders and our missions team, uh, the, those of them who are here today, of those two groups. And that's it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was it. And um, I want to invite you, church, to participate, to join us in this prayer as well. We're going to be praying over them. In Acts 13, you studied it a couple weeks ago when one of our elders, Mark, was teaching they, they, they send out missionaries from the church, and they lay their hands on them, and then they pray over them. They recognize that God has called them to something, and that the Holy Spirit is working on um, in, in amazing ways, and, and the Holy Spirit is going before them, and they simply recognize a call that is on, I believe it's Paul and Barnabas's life. And we are recognizing that God is doing a work in Clint and Heather's life, and we are sending them with joy and sadness and with blessing, praying that God would work fervently and mightily through them by his spirit. And so we're going to have three people pray. Where's brother Leo? Leo? See. <laughs> we're going to have several people pray, but, but friends, I invite you, just even from where you're at, if you want to extend a hand of blessing and praying over them, I invite you to do that as we pray. We're going to have three people pray this morning, kind of representing different parts of our church and, and what God is doing here. So we're going to have Leo start, and then Tom, and then me. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for this great privilege that we have to love Clinton and family. Thank you for being so good to us and allow him to be our pastor for 10 years. I pray, Lord, that you continue to bless by the power of the Holy Spirit, give a power in his heart to all of them to be a great testimony to those who come across in their lives and the ministry that you have for them. Thank you, Lord, for opening the door, and we pray that you use them for your honor and glory, and they be submitted, obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we 
We thank you for Clint, for Heather, for Avery, for Wesley, for Caroline, for the blessing of their fellowship. We thank you for their labor of love on behalf of our church family these past 10 years. And now, Lord, we, we commit them into your hands. We commission them for your service as missionaries with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Charleston, South Carolina. Lord, we send them out. We commit ourselves to pray for them in their new ministry, to encourage them, to uphold them. We give them to you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Our Father and our King, your word, we, we find in Revelation that, that the throne room is gathered around you and, and all of the throne room is singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And so God, we worship you today and we thank you, our holy God, for setting apart dear friends and a dear family for the purposes of your kingdom. God, we, we pray that they would pursue your kingdom and your will in their lives on earth as it is in heaven, that you would give them the perfect and sufficient needs for their day every single day. And God, we thank you for how you have already provided in great abundance and great faithfulness in these lives. God, we pray that you would guard them from the attack of the evil one. Your word reminds us that the adversary comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but that you have come that we might have life and have it to the full. And we pray a full life upon Clint and Heather and Avery and Wesley and Caroline. God, guard and protect them from, from the adversary's work in their life. Give them great unity as a family. Give them great um, Godwardness in their ministry. God, we send them with joy. We send them with, with a sense of purpose and calling upon their life. And, and Lord, for those of us here, cause our hearts and our minds to remember to pray for them. Bring their faces before us so that we can say, God, here they are again. God, work in their life, whatever it is. Help us to be encouragers and, and fellow um, disciples along this journey of life. We bless you, Lord God, our King, our Shepherd, and our friend. In the name of Jesus, and together we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. For one person to say thank you for the whole church. Um, so let me just try a little bit. Thank you for your faithfulness. Before you preached your first sermon as our senior pastor, a friend of mine at work said, I met your pastor this week. And I said, oh, really, where? And he said, well, I didn't really meet him, but we were at Lowe's. And he was the guy in front of me, and he was telling the cashier that he's the new pastor at First Baptist Church, and he's inviting her to come to church, and he hadn't even preached his first message yet. So thank you for that. Thank you for your constant 
passion to encourage our church to be in the Word of God. You never stopped. You never let up. Thank you for faithfully preaching the Word of God, not Time Magazine or something else, but faithfully being in the Word of God. Thank you for your example of sharing Christ. He never stopped sharing Christ. And it was always like from the pulpit or when you talk to him, it's like, I just talked to the guy at the gas station. I just talked to this lady at the gas station. Um, uh, uh, I just talked to my neighbor. Uh, I, I'm sharing. Somebody's close to coming to Christ. Sharing Christ is a passion of his heart. Thank you for giving that example to us. If you have something you want to thank, for, for, thank him for, you tell him later, but I get this chance now. Thank you for the hours that you put into my life. Man, I got to sit in his office hour after hour because I was a slow learner. <laughs> I just didn't get it. He was trying to teach me about being an elder. It's like, go over that again, go over that again. And we just got to share. And sometimes the teaching part got set aside, and we just talked about Christ and about what he's doing in our life and what's happening. So I want to thank you for the hours you put into my life to encourage me to be where I'm at today. Thank you for being a mentor and a teacher just in the way that he lived. It wasn't all the words that he said to me or to all of us, but you lived faithful before the Lord. And I want to thank you for that. You're the man. Hey, wait a minute. I'm talking about you. <laughs> so, Clinton, Heather, from our church, can we just give them a round of applause and say thank you again? Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check out fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.